0: I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. May God bless the reading of his word.
1: Good morning to you. Good to see you. My name is Jeffrey Arthurs. Good to be with you again. May God bless you, especially in this time of transition while you're looking for a pastor for the English congregation, and I'm happy to serve here uh, in the meantime. I'd like to speak to those of you today who are in the doldrums. The doldrums. That's a sailing term, it's a nautical term, meaning a calm, a place of no wind. As you know, with a sailing ship, it uh, depends on the wind for power. So if you're in the doldrums, you ain't going nowhere. You're stuck. And some people are in the doldrums um, spiritually. How's my PowerPoint there? Could you go to the next slide, please? (laughs) You'll see a lovely uh, painting coming up here of the doldrums, a sailing vessel. Also getting a little feedback, a little reverb with the microphone. I feel like I'm preaching with Billy Graham in a great big uh, (laughs) stadium. But I'd like to speak to those of you in the doldrums. Your prayer life, for example is static. For the last year, or the last two years, or the last three years, or the last decade, not much forward progress. I see it, thank you. Your love of God, your love of neighbor is pretty flat, pretty static don't necessarily care that much about the things that are close to his heart. Don't care that much about the poor, the homeless, the illiterate, the suffering. Don't care much about people that are far from God and lost and on their way to eternity without Christ. You do care about yourself, your appearance and your achievement and your comfort and, and your spiritual life is kind of stuck. We call that the doldrums. In the 1970s, Keith Green sang, What can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me just now in the wine of your blood. Previous to that chorus, he said, what can be done for an old heart? He said, my eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold. I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. What can be done? What can be done? Some people are bored spiritually. Not much life in your spiritual life. Your favorite word is whatever. Some people are actually critical spiritually, or kind of cranky, kind of... Church is stupid, pastor's stupid, everybody's stupid. What can be done? It's a big question, it's a good question. What can be done for an old heart like mine? I'd like to draw your attention to two responses for the person who's asking, what can be done for an old heart like mine? Two responses from this passage. For the person who's in the spiritual doldrums, first we need to remember, go ahead to the next slide, please. And again, um, forwards, not backwards. (laughs) For the person in the doldrums, we need to remember, according to our passage, that we are athletes. Athletes. That's an image in our passage. I wonder if you noticed it as we read. I have not already obtained all this. He's he's been talking about the resurrection, the glory of Christ, perfection, you know, transformed into the image of Jesus. I I haven't obtained all this. I've not been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself to have already taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining tor- forward toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Next slide. Do you notice the athletic imagery, the running imagery? I press on. I strain forward. He's talking about the Olympics of the ancient world, running events in particular. I press on toward the goal. Will you please remember that you, in the spiritual world, are an athlete? You're in training. You're in a race. If you are in the doldrums, you must remember, this is a life of discipleship, a life of discipline, disciple discipline, same root, And we strain forward and press forward. Next slide, please. Keep this in mind. We're pressing forward. This Christian walk is actually a run, and we are pressing toward the goal. May I give you an example? Sexuality. Where are you in terms of your sexual conduct compared to a year ago? 18 months ago? Two years ago? Have you sensed some slippage? May I remind you that you are in a race pursuing that for which Christ has laid hold of you. That's the image of Christ, perfection, growing up, being like him, holiness. And in terms of your sexuality, we, we read verses like uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Go ahead to that verse. Each of you must learn how to control his own body. In holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Are you learning, discipling, running the race, breaking out of the spiritual pilgrims Are you in the process of learning how to control your body? In holiness and honor. Now I give you another example. Prayer. Some of us are in the doldrums in terms of prayer. This is a particularly hard area for me. I've been a Christian a long time, you guys, and you would think that I'd be further down the road in this discipline, this lifestyle of prayer than I am. And I'm asking God to expand my heart and work in my spirit and help me develop the distance. I'm asking Him to help me be like Jesus. Do you ever notice how much Jesus prayed? It was just very natural to Him. And there were extended periods of time where He would actually go away and probably sort of like a silent retreat or something where He would just pray. Some of the ways I'm trying, I'm not doing super well, but some of the ways I'm trying, you know, I'm an athlete, I've got to strain forward and and discipline myself. Some of the ways I'm trying are that I I use a prayer guide. It's, It's really a good guide. It's called praying scripture back to God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken the words of scripture and just made it your prayer? It's a really good way to pray. And I find that to be a help with my own prayer life. Another thing that I do fairly regularly is that I confess to people I'm not much of a prayer. I guess I'm doing that right now to you. And that kind of confession helps break the power of sin, doesn't it? If we walk in darkness and if we pretend like, well, everything's okay, you know, you know, I'm just cruising along. Uh, I don't know how much forward progress we can make. Another thing that I do occasionally, in fact, it's coming up this week, as a matter of fact, that about once a year I take a silent retreat. I just go away for an entire day and I just spend the day in prayer. So I'm trying to break out of those doldrums. Trying to make some forward progress. After all these years of walking with the Lord, trying to make some forward progress. So, am I talking to you? Do you sense this in yourself? What can be done for an old heart like mine? My eyes are dry. My heart is, my my faith is old. My prayers are cold. For that person, may I? call your attention to the scripture. Remember, you are an athlete. You're in a race. And that will call for some discipline. Second response from our passage, for the person who's in the doldrums, is, yes, remember, you're an athlete. Secondly, go ahead to the next slide, and then one more. Remember that you are a resident alien. A resident alien. Well, what does that mean? It means you reside somewhere. You live in a certain country or a certain state or a certain locale. But you don't actually belong there. You're an alien. You're an outsider. You get the idea. You get the concept. I was a resident alien uh, a number of years ago in the Philippines, I lived there in the Philippines for a year. I, I, I had a house there, and I, I ate the food. I ate some really crazy things there. I ate some other really good things. I, uh, I, I walked the roads. I learned some of the language, Sigi, okay? And I learned some of that, and I was part of the culture, but I didn't look like the other people there. I wasn't allowed to vote, I wasn't allowed to get governmental aid. You get the idea. A resident alien. You and I, according to our scripture, I'll show it to you in a second, we are part of this world, sort of, but we're really part of another world. And we don't look at things the same way. Even though um, uh, both the world and the disciples of Christ, even though we're looking at the same thing, we see things differently. Different perspective, right? Different angle. In this passage, the Apostle Paul contrasts disciples like, like you with what he calls the enemies of the cross. They see things differently. Here, let me show you to you in our scripture here. Go ahead and click again. Follow my example, brothers and sisters, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship, resident aliens, is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies, that they may be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, this is how you should stand firm in the Lord. Dear friends, So we contrast the enemies of the cross with citizens of heaven. You and I are resident aliens. As I say, we both look at the same stuff, but we we really see different things. Let me give you an example. Lifespan. Enemies of the cross look at the span of our days, the span of their lives, you know, whatever, 60, 70, 80, 90... 50, whatever, our lifespan. You and I, basically the same, right? We're looking. What do you see, though? These people with the mind set on the earth, they see, hey, you only go around once. He who dies with the most toys wins. Many years ago, the beer commercial used to say, go for the gusto. I don't know what gusto is, but you were supposed to go for it. (laughs) Meaning, this is it, baby. This is it. Make everything you can out of this. You and I look at lifespan and we say, you don't just go around once. This is preparation for eternity. And as far as toys go, I'm not that captivated by toys I'm trying to lay up treasure in heaven looking at the same thing but a citizen of heaven sees something different take another example career career the the enemies of the cross look at career and you and I look at career also right we're looking at the same thing. But they see money. You and I see, uh, yeah, yeah, money. I mean, it's part of it. You've got to live. They see achievement. You and I see, well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, achievement. They see worth and value. And I define myself. Power. You and I say, "Eh." it's not what I see in career. I'm not in my career for power. I'm in this career to serve God and to serve my neighbor. I am extending His rule, His kingdom. I'm stewarding His stuff. The gifting, the education, everything He's given me. I'm extending that for the glory of God. The person who is uh, in the orchestra, an uh, enemy of the cross, might be in the orchestra to build a monument to self. Look at me, achievement, power. Look at me, fame. The the the, the servant of Christ, the citizen of heaven, is also in the orchestra practicing, same playing the same instrument perhaps. But they are saying, I play to the glory of God. My playing gives him pleasure. It gives me pleasure too. Do you hear an echo when I talk about uh, uh, the pleasure of God? Do you hear an echo from the Academy Award winning movie 1980, I think maybe 1981, Chariots of Fire? Have you seen Chariots of Fire? You need to see it if you haven't seen it. There is a disciple of Christ named Eric Little. It's a true story. And there is someone who doesn't know Christ, Harold Abrams. And they are both Olympic sprinters. Both looking at the same thing, practicing, working hard, training, you know how it is. But Harold Abrams is so caught up in his career, his ability, his sprinting, it becomes like an idol to him. He uses it to define himself, to give himself worth. My whole personal, my reason for existence depends on the next 10 seconds. They were 100-meter sprinters. Eric Little is a Christian. He says this, this, this issue of worth is already settled. I have security. I have significance in Christ. Now, when I run... I feel the pleasure of God and my running is a way of worshiping him. Take a look at that movie if you want to see the contrast between two different ways of looking at the same thing. If you're in the spiritual doldrums, remember, you're a resident alien. Don't quite fit here. There's another age coming. That's where you belong. Moses knew this. Moses thought of himself as a resident alien. Here's Hebrews chapter 11. Go ahead. By faith, Moses, when, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up in the, the, the royal court of Egypt. But he refused all that. He chose rather to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Go ahead and click to a black screen. Now, if you are in the spiritual doldrums, I pray that he would send a fresh wind to you to pull you out, to get some forward progress going. The wind of his spirit, the wind of personal revival. I pray that God will help you remember that you're an athlete. You're in a race. Strain forward. You're a resident alien. Your values, your citizenship, your mindset is somewhere else. I pray that God would help you and that he would help me live life on mission. On mission. Let me conclude by telling you a little story about the phrase on mission. A few years ago, after Hurricane Katrina, which hit New Orleans... Uh, really hard. A group from the seminary where I teach, Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, a group went down to New Orleans just to help out, just help clean up and you know minister to people. They they were really wiped out down there, and my wife and my son and I went along, so we were part of this New Orleans uh, trip to to help out. And uh, it was really hard work. It was dirty, it was hot, it was muggy, it was New Orleans. We got, you know, we worked all day from the morning until the evening. We were all sleeping. as was a big team. We were all sleeping in a church uh, sanctuary, much smaller than this, that had chairs. And we would just move the chairs out of the way. And we had sleeping bags. It was not very comfortable. It was not a very pleasant week. They had some makeshift showers they had made, the church had made. There weren't enough showers for all of us and they were just plywood and it was, it was pretty icky. Okay, it was icky. Do you know what? During that week, I didn't hear a single complaint nobody said it's icky nobody said man this is hard it was hard nobody said they're feeding us the food wasn't great nobody said I volunteered for this and I started thinking why is that why no complaints you know why I think the reason is because we were on mission you know what I mean we had the mindset like, hey, I volunteered for this. Hey, I'm here to do something. I knew it was going to be tough when I did it. And that's just part of the deal. And I'm serving God and I'm serving uh, His people and I'm on mission. And then I thought, why don't we just live that way? When you wake up on Monday morning, you're on mission. When you go to school, you're on mission. When you go to practice, you're on mission. When you meet with your boss, you're on mission. When you're balancing the books, you're serving God. When you're chasing a toddler, you're stewarding his creation. <laughs> when you're working on your MBA, it's for the glory of God. It's not for achievement and power. And Why don't we just live life like an athlete, like a resident alien? may God help you, may he help me get that kind of mindset and see if it doesn't send a fresh wind of the Spirit to blow you out of the doldrums get some forward progress in your Christian walk. Heavenly Father, help us to take into our hearts this word and help us live it out. In Jesus' name, amen.